Hi, I'm TJ. And I'm Joseph. And this, this one more thing, this is Hi-Fi. Did you order a phone? Uh, yes, TJ. That is the big news. That was the one more thing, everybody. Everybody knows now. <laughs> yes. You can turn off the show. No. Agreed. I yeah. got a, uh, got an order. I finally figured it out. <sighs> and it was so much relief. You know what my wife said? She said I looked like I had 50 pounds lifted off my shoulders. I was so relaxed and gleeful, happy, joyous. She was so happy for me. I felt relaxed. It's a good weight off of my shoulders. Have you ever really pondered which phone to get for like a month? Has it ever tortured you like that, TJ? Oh yeah, oh for sure. I um I was I spent a good several days deciding which phone to order uh, when I ordered my OnePlus Seven T because um, the way this came about was I had my I had my Google Pixel Two XL. And the camera on it suddenly stopped working. And it stopped working in such a way that when you launched the camera software, you could not – the camera software would crash. So that what happened is the shutter got stuck closed. But the front camera is still fine, but it, it, the so- camera software won't launch because it starts on the back camera and then it just crashes. So I actually had to get a third-party app in order to even access the front-facing camera. And I decided I couldn't live without a camera uh, on my phone, and so I needed to order a new phone. But the world of Android is very difficult. There's way more options, and you can get – you if you're not careful, you can get garbage in the Android world, which is not true with Apple. Whatever you order of Apple's is not going to be garbage, and if it is, they'll replace it, right? Yeah. (laughs) Whereas in Android world, you can order a 300 – you can get a $300 or $400 phone, and it's garbage. Anyway – I spent a long time researching. I was pretty sure I didn't want Samsung, but there's lots of good options with Samsung. And then, you know, you've got your OnePlus 7T. You've got a few Motorola phones that are good. You've got uh, this and that. And then you've got Google's phones, which I decided I didn't want. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. I'm back on the Apple train. Uh, <laughs> but, but yes, I know what, what it is to ponder. Oh, and the worst part was the OnePlus 7T was always too big for me. It was a little bigger than my Google Pixel 2 XL. Uh, and I didn't want a phone that big, but in order to get a good phone in the Android world, it has to be a boat. <laughs> uh, the, the rounded corners and everything. Uh, not only is it waterproof, but it floats. Yes. So what did you order, Joe? I got the iPhone 12 Pro. And the thinking here is, is that the mini looks really smart. Uh really, really attractive. I just could not bring myself to compromise on the camera that much. So you really feel like you're going to be using your telephoto camera lens enough, or or you already do use it enough that you, you have to have it. Yes. Yeah, so I, I have the iPhone 11. And before that, I had the 10s. I guess it was a 10s that also had a telephoto that was before they had the telephoto and the ultra wide. I think it was the 10s. So I had a regular lens, the wide angle lens and a telephoto. And I used the telephoto, but I really didn't appreciate it then. And I thought I could live without it when we got the iPhone 11 generation. Then I've gone without it for a year. When I want the telephoto, I really want the telephoto. So in all, with all considerations, I think that the mini would have been the perfect size device. 
And I love that display. I don't mind that it feels a little bit cramped. I was a little bit iffy about typing on it though. I have big hands. So I knew that my typing accuracy was worse when I had smaller phones. Then the iPhone 11 Pro, or sorry, the iPhone 12 Pro is bigger, more screen real estate for typing. That's great. And then it has not really any compromises for the camera system. And it was earlier to yesterday that all of the iPhone 12 Pro Max and mini reviews showed up on the internet. So I read a few and watched a few, and I just wanted to really know what did they have to say about the camera system and the battery life. So I I feel like the iPhone 12 Pro is, I'm very confident that this is the phone I want. It's the compromise that I want. I don't like huge phones. So even though it sacrifices a little bit about the camera, it's not enough unless I'm using a lot of digital zooming to scale up pictures and maybe a little trade-off for night mode photography. Besides that, it looks like they're really going to give me a lot of the same results. And uh, several good tech reviewers all agree the iPhone 12 Pro is no slouch. The Max has got a slight edge on it, but it's not worth it if you don't like huge phones. But I salute you, sir. You're living that mini life, that mini lifestyle that I wish I could be a part of. Yeah, so um, I got up on iPhone Mini Day, iPhone 12 Mini Day, and I was raring and ready to go. Seven o'clock rolls around. At seven o'clock, my time is when the pre-order started, and the website didn't change. And I should say the store app didn't change. Although I was also checking the website because I'm like, one of these may may be ready before the other. But I was planning on doing it through the app. I what I had done is I set up my favorites uh, so that I could basically click through to the favorite. It doesn't save every little detail, which annoyed me that I had chosen. So it, it saves like all the stuff at the top, but then you still got to choose, do you have an iPhone to trade in? How do you want to pay for it? But it's like, I want to save it all so I can quickly add it to my cart and go. But I saved it, you know, favorited it, both my phone and my wife's phone and the two, then the case for each one that I was going to order. And so that worked pretty well. I still had to select a couple of things, but I actually went through it a couple of times the night before. I'm like, okay, because it lets you do all the selections, and then when where the button is normally at, this says add to bag. It just says this phone will be available to pre-order on da 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 da. So I went through that process, you know, as quickly as I could twice to make sure I knew like muscle memory where the which things to click and which options I wanted. And so I did that, and so I'm waiting. The the, the keep saying the store will be back in a moment, you know, or whatever it says. And it did that until about seven o eight, and then oh. all of a sudden, all then all of a sudden, and I'm sitting here. I'm literally like, I'll wait about thirty seconds. I'll bring up the app on my iPad, and then I'll force quit the app, and then I'll bring up the app on my iPhone, and I'll force quit the app, and then I'll refresh the site, and then it won't be there, and then I'll bring up the app on the iPad, and it's still not ready, and I'll force quit the app, and I'll bring up the app on my iPhone. So you can see I'm just doing this round robin, <laughs> trying to figure out which one is going to be ready, <laughs> yeah. and because I, I wanted to make it in so that I got it on the day that it's supposed, to, you know, that I made it into the first batch in case there was a a rush, uh, a run on the on the supply. And I did it. I got in 708. It started working and I'm on my, I happened to get it on the iPad app, which is what I wanted because I've got the most real estate, but also all my payment methods and everything are set up correctly. 
And so I got it in there. I clicked on my favorites. I added it. I clicked the great options. I added it to the bag, and I checked out as soon as possible. I used Apple Pay with the Apple Card. I'm getting that sweet Apple Apple cash back. And yeah, uh, <laughs> and yeah I, I made it in like literally within 60 seconds or maybe 90 seconds I had it ordered, and my delivery window is Friday. Uh, I'm super excited about that. So I made it in. I made it in. And we both, my wife and I both got the mini. Of course, <sighs> I I have uh, my one trepidation is the battery. Um, I've been reading, uh, watching some reviews, specifically Dieter Bones' review on um, the Verge. Uh, he is the Verge, right? Yeah, I think that's the right mm-hmm. one. And um, he does say that the battery life will be a little iffy for all day, which makes me concerned. <laughs> Because my <laughs> OnePlus 7T and my Google Pixel 2 XL, so my Google Pixel, by the end, uh, I don't remember what battery life was when I first got it. It was brand new. Um, but by the end of the two-year, little over two-year run I had with that phone, I could get through a full normal day using it off and on, not trying to conserve battery, never going into power save mode. I'd be at about 20% from, Ooh. say, 7 in the morning to about 10 or 11 at night. Never yeah. would put it on the charger, which I consider fine. The OnePlus 7T, I would go from, say, 7 in the morning to 11 at night, and it would be at about 48, 49, just under 50% battery life. So I'm going to be happy if I can make it through a full day without charging my iPhone 12 mini, and it's around 20%. I'm hoping for more like 30%, but I'm a little worried about the reviews. That's the one aspect I'm worried about. Well, what you do, you got the MagSafe, right? Yes. You get a battery pack, you plug it in, you put that in your pocket, and then you hold the phone with the MagSafe in the other hand, and you've got all day battery life. So you know? my, my opinion on battery packs is that they are for special occasions. Let's say that you're going to be using your phone heavily. You're at a theme park or you're somewhere with, on vacation and there's various family and extended family everywhere and you've got group texts and where are you at? Oh, I'm over here. And you're constantly yeah. back and forth all day long. That's what battery packs are for, not for your regular use. And if you have to have a battery pack to get through regular use, which I do with my 6S right now, then or if you have to plug in during the day, then that's a problem. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm going to hopefully determine in the 14-day window whether I want to get a full-size you know, iPhone rather than the 12 mini. We'll see. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm worried. But, yeah. you know, well, first few days... with the larger phone, you may not quite have enough battery life. I've, I've heard good and bad things about the 12 versus the 12 Pro and the mini, that the well, 12 but, but has the, the best thing. life. Here's the thing. The, uh, so the cases for our phones came today. They were supposed to come tomorrow. They showed up today. Oh. <laughs> because I even looked, I looked at the, um, I looked on the Apple store today to see what the status of all the shipments were. And it says your cases are arriving tomorrow, um, which I'm, I'm actually oh. planning to go caseless, but I wanted a case around for reasons. And my wife sure. will definitely be using a case cause she's just not, she's kind of like she's you not, feel about battery packs. I like to have the case around just for travel. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, the cases showed up today. I'm real happy with the size. Like it's, you can tell, like I compared it to my uh, 6S and it's just a little bit smaller, shorter and the same width. And um, yeah, I'm super excited about that. But, you know, we're, we'll, we'll have to see this. So that's the thing. I, it's the size that I want, but is it the battery I want? And I don't know. Which color are you getting the case on? What, oh, I got black. I got a black case black? and a black phone. Ooh. My wife got the blue phone and then the darker blue case because there is no matching exact case. Leather or silicone? Silicone. 
Nice. Silicone? Silicon? I don't know. That's got an E at the end of the word. Okay, silicone. Yeah. I did. Yeah. It's a, um, I may wind up, if I do go with a case, I'm definitely going to be getting a thinner case. This is really just, I know Apple's case will work mm-hmm. out of the gate. Um, but, but it is a little thicker than what I'm used to because right now I have the, um, I think this one's the totally, uh, super thin case for my 6S. Basically, you can't, you can't tell that it has a case on it at all. But the reason, I'll tell you though, I would go caseless, but the reason I have a case is for my magnetic car mount and I have that magnet sandwich between the case and the phone. Oh yeah. With, I've, I've also ordered, oh, I'm gonna have to pull it up so I can put the link in the show notes. Um, see if I can find the link actually. Um, iPhone 12. Uh, yes, ESR, the Halo Lock Magnetic Wireless Car Charger Mount for the iPhone 12. Just so that you oh. can um, – oh, where did it go? Uh, oh, that's really weird. I'm in Spark, and I clicked on a link in an email, and the whole page just went blank. <laughs> that's really dumb. No. So anyway, um, I'll see if I can send you a link so you can see what I'm looking at. So I've had this car mount system uh, for for years, and it's just a little thing that slides in the vent, uh, and then you've got a little magnet that slips between your case and the phone, or you can peel off the sticker and stick it to your phone. I've never wanted to do that, so I always I actually have a similar it. product. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. So what I always my sandwich it, it between the case and and the phone, and it works really great that way. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, what am I going to do? Because the iPhone already has a magnet built in, but I'm sure it's not compatible with this little because the the size is just all off. Uh, compared to the to the mag uh, magsafe stuff on the phone, so what am I going to do? Well, I finally found because I've been looking all over. I want and and there are mounts right, and we talked about this in our um, uh, episode a few episodes back. How there are going to be mounts out of the gate, but they didn't include power. And I'm like, but the whole point of magsafe is that you can charge the phone, and I don't want to. When the phone is on the mount, I don't want to also then have to plug it in if it's got magsafe to be able to charge through the magnetic charger. That just doesn't make any sense. So right. this link that I just sent you, Joe, I found this link, finally, a magnetic charger car mount for the iPhone 12 and 12 mini. Oh, hello there. Yes. So I'm very excited to get this. It's actually delayed uh, shipping. It's not going to get to me until – oh, where did it go? Um, let me see if I can find my tracking. Your order is on the way. Hmm. <sighs> Oh, interesting. Apparently, I've ordered from them before. Huh. I ordered uh, – interesting. I ordered a magnetic iPad Pro case. Oh, I remember. This was before the Magic Keyboard came out, and I knew I wanted the Magic Keyboard, and it would suit me for most of the time. But I wanted a case – like a a, a, sta- a case that would make the iPad stand up in the interim. Um. Anyway, so I don't see tracking information on this email. But it is – last I saw, it was delayed. So it's going to be like middle of November, like after the iPhone gets here. So that's frustrating. But anyway, I'll put this in, <sighs> in the show notes. I'm, I'm looking forward to this, uh, both charging. Like I can just stick my phone up on the charger and it'll it'll hold it there in the car and it'll charge. That's going to be slick. So, TJ, the sad news is that you're still getting your charger before I'll get my phone. You missed the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the you, phone is going to deliver somewhere between December 18th and January 8th. <laughs> oh, my. Yes. Well, that's that because you're getting the regular iPhone, which which people have been ordering for weeks now. I mean, because you were waiting to see whether you wanted um, the mm-hmm. iPhone 12 or the iPhone 12 mini. But you have a way better phone than me as it is. So, <laughs> Yes, as it is today, I really cannot complain. The 11 is treating me nice. And I'm going to miss it. 
Uh, it's in the product red color. I think it was the best red they ever had on the phone. I'm not going to miss this bulky size. I'm so tired of the bulk. And you have uh, a yeah a plus. Well, the iPhone 11 already feels like almost there. So this is larger than the iPhone 11 Pro, not as big as the Pro Max. Oh, right, right, right. I forgot about that. Okay, okay. So the yeah, dimensions yeah, yeah. are the same as the 10R. And mm, my dad right. and my wife had the 10R, and we're tired of the 10Rs, and we're tired of the 11. Just too bulky. Okay, cool. Well, nobody, Joe, nobody wants to hear about iPhones. There's one more thing, <laughs> no. Joe. Yes. Do you want to talk about this? Please. Okay, so I'm I'm really excited about what's happening mm-hmm. here. And and the oh, reason is good. because as much as I love my Apple Watch that I've had for uh what, a month now, a little over a month, and as much as I love my iPhones, uh again, <laughs> um my first love in 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 terms of Apple things is the Mac. I love the Mac. It is how I get everything done. Um, the iPhones are great. I carry it everywhere when I go somewhere, and it's great on the go. But the Mac is my bread and butter, and it was the first Apple product that I fell in love with was my uh, PowerBook G4, aluminum PowerBook G4. And it was just a love story from there. And uh, I love the Mac, and I'm really excited. I the, One of the reasons I really started moving away from Apple a few years ago was because I think Apple – had decided that they were not going to continue the Mac, that they were just going to, they were going to keep making it, but they weren't going to make any significant changes to it or bring it up into the modern world. They were just going to let it slowly fade away and keep, you know, putting maybe the latest Intel processors in it, but, you know, just putting in minimal effort to keep it from completely dying out and eventually it would die out. And I think there's plenty of evidence that suggests that until they made the Mac Pro announcement, that that was their direction, like that they were actually doing that. But then, Joe, they made this announcement. Uh, they brought in a bunch – they bust in a bunch of people, uh, John Gruber famously being among them, and said, we are recommitting to the Mac. We're going yep. to make a Mac Pro. They made the iMac Pro. Still a great product. I hope they continue to make the iMac Pro. I hope that that's coming. But then more recently, they announced the transition to Apple Silicon. This is exciting for a multitude of reasons, one of which is Intel has completely lost its way. They cannot make chips anymore. They've had a ton of security flaws as they continue to build on the original x86 architecture. Uh, well, I guess x86-64. There's a lot of history there. Um, but anyway, there's still they're, they've had so many security flaws and memory – I mean in, in instruction execution and all this stuff, and it's affected the Mac even. And they've mm-hmm. had to work around – and some of the older chips, they've had to work around these instruction flaws, and it's actually slowed down the computers when they had to send out that update. So it was high time. I mean, Apple could not continue to use Intel, and I I honestly believe that ARM chips are the future of processors overall in the entire industry, and Apple is beating everyone to the punch with their own silicon. And this is where they've been excelling, Joe. Can you tell I'm excited about this? This is where (laughs) they've been excelling is their chips on the iPad slay. Their chips in the iPhone are amazing. Their chips in the watch. Oh, this chip in my in my Apple Watch, uh, it's it's incredible. The the amount of it, like it's it conserves so much energy. Like I've actually switched finally. I've gotten over the splinter in my mind that I talked about, and I've switched to having the the screen on all day. And it barely made a difference in my battery life. And the battery, like it is rare when it dips under fifty percent at the end of a day. 
It huh. is just incredible. And it never it I have never that watch has never felt like it's laggy or slow or it's just such a different experience from nice. any other watch that I've had in, in you know as I've as I talked about at length there are no good watches other than Apple's smart watches other than Apple's watch. So they're they're killing it with chip design and they're bringing it to the Mac. I've been talking a lot. What do you, what do you got to say about this? It is very exciting because I started with the Apple computer when it had their own chips. And one of the things I remember well, hitting it. Mm-hmm, yeah, ish. I just remember growing up that it was very frustrating that the devices often were so slow and laggy and crash no matter what you're doing. And then as a professional, creative professional beginning around the year 2003, I... I ran into a lot of trouble like that. Like the, the processing power, not great. Graphics performance, terrible. And just little by little, I mean, even then I loved my Mac, but there was so many situations where it could not keep up with me. And I, I felt like I was running laps around my computer. And then progressively these things have gotten better and better. And then, like you said, Intel has not been doing a whole lot of exciting stuff, but in recent years, while you were not using, uh, you've been using an, a MacBook even while you were away from the iPhone. Now, in the recent years, right? Sure, I've never not been. I've never not had a Mac, or I've never not used Mac OSs to some degree. Oh, okay, good. And I used a old Mac Pro for creative professional work. That was a 2009 model that had customization to make it more powerful and survive and keep up with the times. And some days it was just really annoying, but I thought a lot of the problems I had was software-based. Then back in the summer, I got a a fresh 5K iMac, 27-inch display, and it's got the the best Intel chip. It's got the the best graphics processor. It's souped up to the Max. Uh, It would be the iMac Max, if they could call it that. It's also got the um, 64 gigs of RAM. And this thing passes every test i can throw at it it has been wonderful tj i haven't had a review of adobe premiere or anything lately but i could always criticize premiere until i got this imac and since use yeah the last few months it has been rock solid so few crashes so few bugs every project it seemed like i ran into something until i got this imac and it has been blissful just across the board so Watching the video today, I really realized, holy cow, the potential here looks like it's busting at the seams way better than anything I would even approach needing. And it it just took me back to where I began my creative profession, remembering how frustrating every task was. And now I can open Photoshop and it opens up in two seconds. It's amazing. It's really interesting that to think that these chips are so much more powerful than Intel's chips, and I believe they exactly. I really believe they are. And Intel's I can't chips, believe it's going to be so much better than what I already have. Like I bought yeah. the best state of the art thing that is still available from the twenty seven inch iMac from the summer, and yet this thing is so much more powerful, and it's going into a thirteen inch MacBook Pro. Yeah, and it's really interesting because for all of Intel's problems, they do make really powerful chips. Their biggest problems, honestly, are heat and battery. Um, and and but but for for all that, like they're super powerful chips. And today's Apple computers with Intel chips in them are nothing to sneeze at. Like I have no problems 
Actually, I'm on my desktop. I, I custom built a desktop, and I, you know, allegedly <laughs> run macOS on it. Um, and it's an i7. It's a four gigahertz i7, 32 gigs of RAM. And like the thing, I've never, I've never run into a bottleneck with this thing. And to think that Apple's new chips are five times faster than the equivalent Intel chips, and it'll be interesting to see if that holds and they get up to desk class, desktop class processors, because obviously right now they're doing mobile processors. Um, with the M1, um, M st- probably standing for Mac, but could also stand for mobile. Like that's that, that's the class that they're in right here. Um, and in fact, they're in such a they're in such a good spot with these chips. Oh, oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll talk about this in a minute. So the M1 chip, which they announced today, made specifically for the Mac, was fab. They're fabbing it at five nanometers. I don't know if you know anything about chip fabbing, uh, processor fabbing, but this is incredible. Um, it's just like they're blowing Intel away. Intel, uh, I think, I, has Intel started fabbing at seven nanometers? I don't even know. Like last I knew they were at 14 nanometers or something like that. And they've been having trouble shrinking their fabs. So, uh, yeah, this is really incredible. They're, uh, they're definitely touting unified memory architecture. Here's the thing I don't know yet. This used to actually be a negative. It, it, it's called integrated, uh, a, a system on a chip, integrated memory, integrated graphics. Like your graphics uses the same memory. Everything uses the same memory. This used to be a negative, but I think what they're saying is that the unified memory architecture, their memory is so fast that it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't have to be a specific kind for, for graphics, and it doesn't have to be a specific kind for the CPU, and that allows for other optimizations. Uh, they're putting in an 8-core CPU. They're not telling us what the clock speed of that is. We'll have to wait for the Macs to actually get in people's hands and for uh, Geekbench to be run on these things. But 8-core um, CPU has four energy-efficient cores and four high-performance cores, so very much like the A14 in that way, which is um, Apple's uh, iPad and iPhone chips. Um, yeah, and it's got an 8-core GPU. I'm excited to see... Um, how good the GPU actually is. I'm pretty happy with AMD. I'd be happier with um, uh, NVIDIA, but Apple and just doesn't play nice with NVIDIA anymore. So we'll see if they can compete with the GPU space. It sounds like they can, but as we'll talk about in a minute, there's other questions that I have and, and, and why it's limited in certain ways. Um, here's one that's really big to me. Instantly wake from sleep like the iPhone and the iPad. I can't tell you how many times I open my laptop and, you know, the longer you let it sit, the deeper it goes into sleep. And so if it's been <laughs> sitting a couple of days, which happens when I'm on my desktop computer, but then when I want to open the Mac, my, my laptop, then you open it up and you wait and you go, uh, are you gonna, you gonna, you gonna wake up little computer, you know? Uh, so yeah. that's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm just really excited about this. We should uh, we should highlight a little bit about the the presentation itself today. So they talk about the processors. They tell us about the new MacBook Air, the Mac Mini, and the MacBook Pro. But as a whole, this completes what a trilogy of Apple presentations for 2020. Yes. And in this one, it was really focused on the max performance. It's hardware. These three computers and a lot of the rumor mill had to have been let down. A lot of people expecting new things like maybe a new generation of AirPods, AirPod Pros, maybe new Air Air headphones of some type, some sort of new generation of Beats headphones, who knows? And none of that kind of thing. Uh, we don't have Apple tags. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody was disappointed or that anyone thought that this would not be about the Apple Mold the Mac lineup. And as it is, it's fine. 
Yeah, I kind of did not expect them to do anything but the Mac because they wanted to put a spotlight on the Mac. I, you know, they may or may not before the end of the year just just you know put out a press release and say here's the new Apple over the ear headphones or head pods or whatever they call them. But I I expected this event to be focused on the Mac. It was a little shorter than I was expecting, but I did expect it to be focused primarily on and exclusively on the Mac, and and they delivered there. I think what surprises me. And and I I actually I kind of put myself at fifty fifty on my prediction last week that they would do a touchscreen, and I still think they will. I think it'll you know maybe this is me hoping, but I think it, they will. It'll just be in the future. I think what they opted to do is to do the iterative comfort approach, which is we're going to replace what's in our lineup currently the exact same look and feel. We're just going to put an Apple chip in it, and that will keep make people comfortable. This we know how to do this. We're just putting in an Apple chip. And it's not a new form factor. It's not a new design. It's not any new features. It's just a faster chip. And that makes it seem like it's just an iterative update. That's, mm-hmm. and that's fine, but that's what they did. Yeah. What I really – one of the things I really enjoyed um, was the developer video. Uh, Cable Sasser and a few others were in it. Uh, Cable Makers uh, – he's, he's one of the co-founders of Panic, um, which makes great Apple software, generally speaking. Um, and uh, – yeah, I thought that video was really fun and whimsical, and it really it's um, it's the sort of thing that we have not seen from Apple in a while, um, or at least not to this degree. I felt like a lot of this presentation was them having a lot more fun than they've been having lately. Brought back some whimsy, I thought. I'm just trying to soak in all the M1 related details on Apple's website as you're saying that this th- this is ah, oh, it's bonkers. TJ, I was saying this before we hit record. This website update where they're presenting everything to do with the M1 and these new products, this is a fresh face. And several things that people remarked on on Twitter today concerning this event, little things like you brought up the video, I'm just seeing collectively that there's a little bit more whimsy, a little bit more playfulness about a lot of the things Apple presented their style their take what they showed who they presented the colors their splashes of color a lot of people were positive about apple using their rainbow colors again more frequently and yeah yeah i'm i'm impressed with design changes that they've even taken for the big sewer page the m1 chip update pages to break it down it feels very rich and i want to say lighthearted. And that that was really nice about the presentation too, the way it began and the way it ended. <laughs> some of the jokes worked. Some of the I think they landed for somebody. <laughs> yeah, Although I, 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 I enjoyed them, the jokes. I especially en- yeah, I especially enjoyed the Craig Feder. I always enjoyed Craig Federighi. But here's totally. here's a thought. Here's a thought, Joe. Tell me if I'm mm-hmm. I'm way out in left field. But I think that this whimsy and this fun and spiritedness is coming back since Johnny Ive left. Now, now hear me out. Um, in uh, With iOS 7, there's no doubt iOS needed an overhaul. It was way too heavy feeling, the the look and feel of it. It was way too um, skeuomorphic. Um, skeuomorphism just doesn't make a lot of sense. It never has, um, to me, the degree at least to which it was taken. It was uh, The skeuomorphism was focused on the wrong things. And so there's no question that it needed a huge visual overhaul. But then Tim Cook put Johnny Ive not just in charge of the hardware, which was where we've seen Johnny excel and do his minimalist thing, but then he brought that minimalism and that look and feel to the i the uh, iOS, and he brought that look and feel to it. And 
to, to be honest, it was a little bit stark, a little bit bare, a little bit lacking. It did not have that same sense of fun that iOS had had up to that point. They just sort of removed the sense of fun. Mm-hmm. And I think the rest of the company sort of followed suit. And since Johnny Ive has left, I feel like they've been bringing that back. And you can really see it for, for all the issues that I have with Big Sur, which I do have some in, in terms of what I've seen. I, I haven't used it yet, but in terms of what I've seen, the way it looks, there's definitely some issues. But I don't care because they're bringing some whimsy and some fun and some just some 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 sense of fun back to it. And I think that that culture is starting to seep into the rest of the company again. And I'm really excited about it. It's very positive. It's very encouraging. We need this sort of attitude from companies in 2020 to <laughs> to basically enjoy more of life when so many other things have been so stressful. <laughs> One thing I've really enjoyed about customizing my Mac over the years is doing anything I can to be uh, sort of like the creative spirit that I want to invoke in my creative projects. I got to do some funny things in a video just earlier today for a video mm. I'm putting out on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And and so the Apple has often fueled a lot of my, my just the the fun and the freedom, the passion for creative work. And mm-hmm. I feel like that you've even benefited from that as well, using the Mac. Even you used to have a creative professional uh, career. No, oh, you, you don't can think see coding how is creative? that affects it. Yeah. Well, I mean, developers, y'all are kind <laughs> of creative. Actually, I think that most developers that have had a previous history with creative professions, they understand how creative developer developers really are. But if you oh. got, jumped right into development and you stayed there, you probably don't realize just how creative you really are. I don't think and, people realize just how creative and how much it exercises the same creative muscles writing software does. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah. you can appreciate this. And yes. it, it, it's fun to to get that from Apple consistently over the years. And I I think you may be onto something. I really like Johnny. I, I liked a lot of his class. I liked a lot of his um, sophistication, but I do feel like it often started to feel sterile with, and stagnant with yes, I think, the Mac of late. I think Johnny Ive worked best with an editor, namely Steve Jobs. They were a great pair. I don't think Johnny Ive works so well on his own, and that's unfortunate. I, I mean, I don't mean I, I, I wish the guy well and everything, um, and I just I just think that they worked best together. I think that Steve Jobs before Johnny Ive was not as good. I think Steve, you know Johnny Ive after Steve Jobs was not as good, and and I, I you see this in creative professionals all the time. I know we're off on a little tangent. We'll get back on track here in a minute, but but you see this with uh, for instance. Um, uh, Peter uh, Peter Jackson, who made Lord of the Rings, and Lord of the Rings is pretty good, but by the time he gets to making The Hobbit, he nobody can tell him no anymore because he is the bigwig. He knows what he's doing. He made the Lord of the Rings, man. You can't tell him no. And I think his films suffer for it. I think you see the same thing with Chris Nolan. Uh, Christopher Nolan, you, he made a great Batman film. He made another great Batman film, and then he made a not-as-great Batman film. And then he, he's off, and nobody can tell him no. And honestly, he needs somebody to tell him no, and he needs those limits in order to be better a better creative. And you see this all the time, and I think that's what we saw with, with Johnny Ive, honestly. Um, so that's unfortunate, but yeah. I, that all that to say that this 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 one video with the developers highlighting the developers, the one that Cable Sasser was in, it it really it really highlighted to me just how I think I think a sense of fun and and you know just 
on top of the worldness, if you will, is coming back to Apple. I think that they're back on top of their game. And uh, this video is really fun that way. Um, moving on, Jason Snell uh, had a really interesting observation during the during the presentation. He tweeted, the four low-power cores on the M1 are combined as fast as the current dual-core MacBook Air. So in the new MacBook Air, which we'll talk about in a minute, the low-power cores, just the four low-power cores, are as fast as the current dual-core MacBook Air. And then there are four performance cores. <laughs> That's really incredible. <sighs> Yeah, <laughs> they're they're Apple. Uh, Apple is going to have a huge competitive advantage here with their with their chips. I have no doubt about that. If that is their competitive advantage, you were pointing out that their disadvantage is limiting the gigabytes of RAM to sixteen max. Yes. So what we've discovered is that the most as we started as I went started going through the configurator, and I'm not going to order anything, but I was just configuring and seeing what things would look like. The max you can get on any M1 chip is 16 gigabytes of RAM. I suspect that is a t- technical limitation of the way as- Apple's system on a chip works. I don't know yet. Uh, don't know if anybody knows. We'll probably see some iFixit teardowns uh, you know, as soon as these things start shipping, and we'll know more then. But it's interesting, and and it's interesting when you fig- when you factor in that the there are no discrete GPUs in these M1 system on a chips. They share the RAM, so they don't have their own dedicated RAM for video, which most of your discrete video cards have at least six gigabytes these days of dedicated video RAM. And so yeah. you're having to share that. Now I sup- I think I do think that with the um, with the architecture of of ARM that you don't need quite as much RAM, or at least your applications and, and your things will take up a little less. I believe I'm accurate there, but somebody who knows better may may correct me. But it doesn't change the fact that the more RAM you have, the less it has to swap out to disk, especially if you start opening more and more applications. This obviously isn't a huge problem on iOS um, because – you know, you can't, especially on iPhone, you can only have one application in the front at, at one time. And so it tends to be less of a problem. But when you're in the Mac context and in a professional context, I think it just remains to be seen. And I'll, I'll be happy to be wrong, but I think 16 is the minimum you need these days. And these chips start at eight. <sighs> yeah, it's a little frustrating, but I think they're, they're probably, I don't know what they're doing. We'll have to see. But as a whole, that wouldn't discourage me from getting one of these if I needed one in the family. Hypothetically speaking, probably not. TJ, For, yeah. I couldn't see myself getting the MacBook Pro because it would be, it, this is just my guess, not quite the, see, here's the thing. I, I find myself slipping into a conundrum, I think, that all p- professionals are going to wrestle with, whether or not to buy one of this generation. If you don't really have a reason to, I don't think you should. You shouldn't just buy it because it's new. If you've got something in the last year, maybe the last two, maybe even the last three years, if you can handle the keyboard on whatever you bought, then stick with it. If you have already considered yourself in the market, though, would you buy one of these or would you get one of the Intel Macs from the rest of the lineup? So if I were in the market... Would I go ahead and get the 16-inch MacBook Pro and soup it up for its best performance because I wanted a feature-rich Mac, more powerful than the 13 had to offer? Or would I say that it's my second computer and on the go, I just need it for some work, some video production, but I don't need it constantly for that stuff all the time. It's not going to be my main power machine. So I can get by with it as my second editing station, you know? 
so, so there's questions like these, and I wonder um, how that will influence professionals buying decisions. Well, if they'll okay, use so, this and field test it and use it, or will they be too skeptical? So in my profession, I cannot get a ARM Mac yet, uh, and it's going to be a while. If you're developing software for Apple platforms, you're going to have to have one, If you're especially if you're developing software for the Mac. Um, but even if you're developing for iOS, I think it'd be a huge advantage because your your builds are going to build quicker and more and faster and run run more quickly in a simulator because you're on the hardware essentially the the architecture that those things are targeting. So you don't have to emulate iOS and or or the uh, ARM architecture for iOS when you're building and, and testing in the simulator. So all that if you're if you're building and specific exclusively building Apple uh, you know stuff, go for it. For my profession. Um, one of my big uh, things that I need to run is Docker, uh, specifically because Docker, almost all of our hosting now is run on Docker in some form or fashion. And even if it's not, we're using Docker for our local development environments on our computers. And right now, all the servers are still running x86-64 architecture, um, which means that all the Docker images are built against x86-64. That's Intel's basic instruction set, right? And they literally won't run on ARM architecture. So there's going to have to be parallel images developed and for Docker. For, for the, First of all, Docker for Apple Silicon is going to have to come out. And then there's going to be parallel Docker images that will run on the ARM architecture. So in the business that I'm in, it's a, it's a non-starter. I, can't, I cannot run Apple Silicon right now. Um, if I and, – and we're – you know, it may come up because Apple's uh, – Rachel's uh, MacBook is on the – that's my wife, uh, Rachel. Her MacBook is on its last leg. We're trying to nurse it along. I don't want to get a first-generation Apple Silicon Mac, but if I were going to buy her one right now, I would probably get her a MacBook Air, Apple Silicon MacBook Air. So, so I'm so trying to avoid it. So you were saying you would hesitate, but why would you hesitate in her case? Because it is the first gen- generation, um, there's going to be better computers coming out. I have no doubt. Um, and even e- barring it being, well, because it's the first generation, because it's just come out, a lot of the software is going to be running in Rosetta too. I think. I-, I think that you know a lot of developers are on top of it, but others, the software that she uses all the time, are not going to be on top of it. It's going to be months or a year before they're reported to run correctly on mm. Apple Silicon and, and the ARM architecture. And I hope that these chips are fast enough that they can tr- emulate and translate from x86 to ARM on the fly, but I'm skeptical. Like, remember, Rosetta was great. It was a great, the Rosetta, the first Rosetta, when we transitioned to ARM, it was a great transitional technology. Yeah. But you could tell, you could tell when applications were running Rosetta, they were a little slow. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to avoid it. I, I think it's great. I'm super excited about it, but I want to wait. I want to wait. I've been, and I've been burned by jumping on the latest and greatest a little too quickly. So, you know, that's, that's part of it. I, I feel like there's got to be everyday people who could totally get by with this machine, whether they wanted the 13 inch MacBook pro and be blown away with it. Even with some, it's funny that cr- you use that metaphor "blown away" when it has the act of cooling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the and speaking of which, I'm actually a little concerned that they don't have the act of cooling in the the MacBook Air. And the concern being that it's just going to probably uh, be clocked. Don't you think? Oh well, sure, but they don't have it in the iPad either, and it's a great fast computer. It's faster than most laptops. Mm-hmm. I'm not too. I'm not worried about that. See, yeah. it's tempting to actually 
push it to the max. Uh, I want to see what happens when someone tries to do a 4K project with some color grading and a little bit of motion graphics. And then what happens? What happens then? (laughs) I can imagine the thing causing some interesting glitches. I think Apple knows what they're doing. I think it's fine. I think passively cooled. I mean, I think they have engineered it to be passively cooled. So speaking of that, do do you want to dive in and talk about these specific products that they announced? Please. I You want to talk from the, the order that they presented, the MacBook Air? Yes, absolutely. So MacBook Air with M1. As you said, no fan. Um, and and as, I, as you said, I, I suspect and you suspect that they are clocking the M1 down because it is passively cooled. There's no fan. Um, I'm actually kind of excited about this because that means that's a signal of confidence in their chip to me, that this chip can run without cooling and we can throttle it down and it's still going to be fast. It's already faster by a lot, according to what they said, than the previous MacBook Air. And the MacBook Air was fast enough already. So um, I, I think that's great. Now, I do think that is a divide from the professional line, and that's why it's not in a professional laptop because the professionals are going to want more power and so it's going to be actively cooled. They stated that um, this passively – and that's another thing. Like that's another reason to passively cool is because you don't have to spin up the fans, and so you're going to get better battery life. And they stated 18 hours of battery life, Joe. This is right – I was expecting them to say 18 or 20. That is – that's amazing. That's incredible. It is. And I know Apple probably is inflating this a little or this special conditions, but consider now that they say 10 hours of battery life and we get, you know, six or seven, I get, I get maybe six out of my laptop that they say 10. So let's say 18, let's say we only get 12. That is a huge improvement. <laughs> like that mm-hmm. is just amazing. And it's six Let more than what see. they previously the stated iPad for the MacBook Pro, Air. The iPad Pro isn't even approaching that. No, well, it has a much smaller battery. It's a much smaller case for the battery to go in. So they're saying uh, 15 hours of web browsing and 18 hours of video playback. That's incredible. That's just incredible. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it has Thunderbolt 3, Joe. We were concerned that Apple was going to start abandoning because they don't put Thunderbolt like on the iPad Pro. One wonders why. It would be a great addition <laughs> to the iPad Pro. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a concern because it was – Apple does have some like some claim on Thunderbolt, but it was developed with Intel. Like Intel and Apple developed Thunderbolt. Those two companies developed Thunderbolt. And we didn't know like how would they feel about licensing Intel's portion from Intel to do Thunderbolt on – and would Intel cooperate? Well, apparently they did. Um, so who knows what all's going on behind the scenes there. But uh, really excited. What remains to be seen is if the current Thunderbolt accessories, for instance, uh, I have a um, external, an eGPU that I use with my MacBook Pro because my MacBook Pro, my work MacBook Pro will not drive my three displays very well. Um, and I have, I have, I can get it done, but one of them will only run at 30 hertz uh, and the other two are a little choppy. Uh, this eGPU performs perfectly. I have not seen. I've been looking. I've been looking up and down the technical specs and everything. I have not seen whether it can do external PCI on on the Apple chip. I assume it does because that's a spec of Thunderbolt three. But like, then will Apple Silicon be compatible with this eGPU from AMD? Uh, we we Ooh, just don't know. Yeah. We yeah. don't know. We just don't know. So these are questions that I want answered um, for the future. Uh, you would assume because Apple has touted – so I'm, I'm of two minds about this because Apple has touted for years. Every time they talk about the Mac and Thunderbolt 3, they talk about eGPUs. They're specific to bring them up and how great right. eGPUs are. Not a word about eGPUs on this presentation. Now, that could be because they mm. don't want you to think you need it, that they want to talk about their GPUs and how good they are. But it could also be that they're not compatible. We just don't know yet, or I don't know. I haven't found – I can't find out. 
What's your thoughts? Uh, well, this looks like a really good product. And again, I know that you have a pretty good use case for having the eGPU. And there would be others as well that would want something like that. So again, I, I think that this product is definitely not for as many developers and creative professionals, but for business class, for the education, for the family, sure, for yeah. the writer, yeah. for the entrepreneur that loves uh, portability, maybe for the researcher, for the editor. Um, and And for that, it's an excellent computer. If I had money to toss around. I would actually want to make this my go-to personal Mac. But as it is, I, w- when I was weighing the benefits, the pros and the cons of what I had in, from different Apple products, the MacBook Air has been around with us for a good long time. So when Apple updated the iPad Pro, uh, I think it was in 2008, uh, 18. So when they had that generation of the iPad Pro, I wanted it in on that. And I had a toss up to choose between the MacBook Pro or sorry, the MacBook Air and the iPad Pro and its features, which were, you know, different from each other. Mm-hmm. And I wanted one or the other. I wasn't going to have both. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to this and you wonder if you were going to have one or the other, which would you choose? Would you rather have the MacBook Air or the iPad Pro? I went with the iPad Pro because I love that experience. I love it with this new keyboard cover case generation. Yeah, It is a fabulous machine. We already kind of know what it can support and what it can do, what it's capable of. Yeah. I use my iPad Pro every day. Yes. I I begin every day on it. And I, so, so I think that if you're not in the iPad Pro market, but you want something in close proximity to it, it's probably this device. You're saying the the MacBook Air, yeah. So, and if you're if you're already on a MacBook Air in recent year, then you shouldn't upgrade to this one. But no. if you if you felt like it was waning because you had a slightly older model, then I I, I probably would go with this model. That's what I would. So do. you said you said something a little bit ago about um, you know more in the business space, but not the professional space. And I mean, even though it's the MacBook Pro 13 inch, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute that they announced today, I think you're, I think you're onto something there. I'm looking specifically with the MacBook air. I'm looking on the tech support or on the tech specs page and it, it, the MacBook air only supports one external display um, up to 6k resolution, but it does not support two external displays, which is why if I had this computer, like an eGPU would be uh, critical for me, but I, I'm a professional, I'm a professional. And so the MacBook Air is not really targeted at me. Um, but yeah, only one external display with the MacBook Air. But, but the thing is, if you click over to the Intel MacBook Air, where did I see this? Wait, wait, maybe this one, they don't, they don't actually offer the Intel anymore, do they? On the MacBook, I'm betting it's still available while supplies last in some retail outlets, but I don't see it from their website. Yeah, I guess they don't. Okay, um, so it must just be the MacBook Pro. Okay, so yeah, I'm I'm looking on the buy page right now, and you cannot get the Intel MacBook Air anymore. All right, well that solves that problem. So we'll talk about it when we come to the 13 inch. Now, one thing that annoys me, and again, not a professional computer. But we'll talk about it when we get to the 13 inch MacBook Pro, same camera, the 720p. Uh, camera. The the built-in camera is only 720p. What is up with that, Joe? I have a $50 webcam on my uh, computer, on my monitor right now that's 1080p. What (laughs) what is up with this? Why is the camera still 720? This seems a little chintzy to me. Well, and especially on the MacBook Pro. 
the yeah. iMac 27-inch uh, I have at home that I'm well, talking to you with right now has got better than that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but 720p seems especially cheap in an era when everybody is doing video meetings and everybody has to work from home and a lot of, a lot of business professionals are working from home using Zoom. 720p? Really, <sighs> Apple? What is that? It does. What is it that? Do- it doesn't feel good. <laughs> It does not feel good. On the bright side, though, there's been no price change on this computer. I actually, I tweeted, and I was very wrong. I uh, I tweeted that Apple would not lower the price of any computer that any comparable computer it replaced with with Apple Silicon, and I was wrong. Which so this one is the same price, and the Mac Mini, which we're going to talk about now is actually $100, starts $100 cheaper. They lowered the price. I was shocked. I, I literally like had to pick my jaw up off the floor when they said that. And I was wrong. <laughs> I, would have, I would have lost that bet. So um, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, of course, has active cooling because it's a uh, Mac mini desktop computer. Uh, so that means that I'm sure that it's not throttled as much. It's the same M1 chip, but I'm sure it's a higher performing chip. Um, and it's down $100. I'm disappointed, Joe, that this Mac Mini only has two Thunderbolt ports instead of the four that the previous generation and the current Intel that you can order had. So the previous generation had four Thunderbolt ports. This only has two. I guess that's probably another limitation of the system on a chip. I don't know. The reason I'm disappointed is I've always speculated that um, if I were to buy an Apple desktop computer right now, I would hate it. I want a tower with better cooling, but I would probably get a Mac Mini because it's the closest thing to what I want from an Apple computer that sits on my desk. Uh-huh. Um, and I just, I, I want more Thunderbolt ports. <laughs> I want the four, not the two. Yes. Yes. I'm looking um, at my Mac mini right now. I have it right here. I usually use it in the other room, but I, I didn't have it plugged up right now because I haven't used it lately since working off of my main iMac from home. And I am, when I saw their ports and they were presenting this in the uh, today and they said, here's what you got in the back and you got plenty of ports and i i was like no you don't no, you took no, you away don't. too you took what away are, ports apple about? giveth apple taketh away here's the other thing i'm looking at the tech specs page uh for the displays and it only supports two external displays which again i have this egpu if i were to order a mac mini i hope it would plug in and i could use my three displays i, I don't know it's it's yeah i bet you, i don't know well we don't know we just don't know so um, the Intel ver- – and this is the thing. That's a downgrade. Again, the ports – the lack of ports are a downgrade. If you click Intel on the tech specs page and you scroll down to video support, the Intel version supports three displays. So this Ooh. is a downgrade. Yeah, so I'm excited about Apple Silicon. I think it's going to be better and faster, but they're limiting it in certain ways, and which is why I'm skeptical about their GPUs. I'm happy with their chips overall. I'm skeptical about their current line of GPUs. I think they'll get better perhaps, but – yeah, it's disappointing. And so the, the, this is the reason – this is especially the reason, in, in addition to the software reasons I just mentioned, this is especially the reason why I wouldn't upgrade now is because I would want a Mac Mini. My work supplies me with a laptop that I can take on the go, and I've been very happy having a computer that sits on my desk that's generally more powerful and is always hooked up and never goes anywhere. Um, but but the, Mac, the M1 Mac Mini is not quite what I want. Um, I'm, I'm excited generally for it, but just not quite mm-hmm. there. So I hope the next generation will get us there. It's not a big deal. And I don't know that anybody should read into this, but the M one generation of the Mac mini, it comes in the, uh, the sort of like the silver aluminum body, mm-hmm. the Intel model still comes in the space gray, which implies a bit more like the 
Mac Mini Pro. And, oh, so to speak. interesting. And maybe they're it is a still different color. I didn't it notice that. that. Yeah. yeah, maybe they kind of view it that way, like, hey, you know, get in on the Mac Mini with the M1, and just so you know, don't set your expectations even even uh, subliminally <laughs> that you should expect this to run like it's a pro model. Right. Well, again, if you click over to the Intel side on the tech specs page, you can configure it up to 64 gigs of RAM and the M1 is limited to 16. Yeah, that just definitely feels like this is Apple's first stab and this is what we got and we're going to give you more later. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the MacBook Pro 13-inch, this this says Pro in the name, Joe, so this sort of shoots the theory in the foot a little bit that the <laughs> M1 just isn't professional um, yet. And it, 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 it does have active cooling. I suspect that it'll be faster because of that over the fanless MacBook Air. Um, the dang thing still has a touch bar. Ugh, I just I wanted that to go away. I wanted it to die. I wanted Apple to get the message. Nobody likes it. I literally, I do not know a single person. I know a lot of people with MacBook pros with touch bars i do not know a single person who likes it and i know many i would say 75 to 80 percent actively despise the touch bar i'm in that camp <laughs> i wouldn't awful. know because i have no experience with owning one though it, they seem fun to play with in the apple store but they are yeah, fun to play with just yeah but everyday use you wind up mm. brushing it or you can't you you try to hit a button and you hit the wrong one because there's no tactile feel but you brush it and you touch a button you didn't mean to i've managed to move the things around and, and clear the edges in such a way that it's mitigated it but it still happens when i'm using the macbook as a macbook it still happens i hate that thing and it's useless and, and the worst thing is often if i'm booted into windows um, doing my 20% of my work in Windows for the C-sharp stuff. Um, that's a programming language for Microsoft. Um, and I um, I want to play music. I'll typically just put my MacBook Pro on the desk and, and have it connected to my sound system. But the, the touch bar goes to sleep, and so I can't just and, – and I can't just hit the, the keyboard that I'm working on. I can't hit the play pause button because it's not the right computer it's connected to my windows computer and but then i have to wake up the touch bar to pause it and then i have to hunt around for the button because i have to wait for it to wake up so i can see where the button is it's it's a really terrible experience it's just awful whereas my previous laptop huh. i could just look i could see oh there's the play pause button tap done <laughs> it's just so bad mm. it serves no purpose and otherwise i don't use it that does sound right <sighs> Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, yes, these MacBook Pros still have the touch bar, but they're touting up to 20 hours of battery life. 17 hours of, as they said, wireless web. I guess they mean web browsing. (laughs) And 20 hours of Apple TV app playback. That's pretty incredible. Interesting, too, that the base models of the MacBook Pro 13-inch are $1299 and $1499. So that they gives didn't change. you the 256-gigabyte SSD or the 512-gigabyte SSD. However, they still have the 13-inch models with Intel chips, and yes. those are 1799 and $1,999. Right. So what they did is they replaced the lower end of the Intel line with the M1. The higher end of the Intel line is sticking around, from what I can tell. And that's the – it gives you the – 2 gigahertz quad core 10th generation Intel Core i5, or you can configure it for the 10th generation Intel Core i7. Um, and again, you can f- configure memory up to 32 gigs for the Intel. M1 only goes up to 16. What Apple, I'm guessing, may do is keep the M1 around after they introduce the M2. The M2 Absolutely, will replace the Intel 
processors on these other models. I, and I, I think yeah. you're right. The that's that's M1 been their modus operandi. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they do this with, um, you know, like the Intel, uh, Intel, the iPhone SE uh, and things like that, where they have uh, pretty current, but maybe one generation removed uh, processor, things like that. And they tend to keep those things around and on the shelf. So absolutely. Well, and in fact, the iPad Pro, funny as this may seem, it actually has the previous generation chip in it. Um, the current iPad Pros have an A12 and the I- iPhones, the iPhone 12 has an A14. <laughs> so yeah, they tend to, they tend to keep those chips around. So I think we'll see the M1 for a while, and I think it'll be the low end chip. And I suspect M2 or M1X or whatever they call it is going to be the more professional chip. And it'll be interesting to see what they do for the uh, Mac Pro. Now again, this uh, MacBook Pro only has a 720p camera, so quote Pro. <laughs> <laughs> again, that is one um, of the examples where it really is aggravating because the set, well, see, the 720p cameras are still available in those Intel based MacBooks as well. So it may be that they didn't want the lower tier version of the MacBook Pro to have a 1080p camera when their higher end Intel models with a steeper price tag had the 720p. So they would so have put been a, compelled so to put a 1080 them as camera well. in those bigger in those models, like rev just the camera. I don't uh, know. I don't know. Man. I yeah, don't know. It, it it feels bad, man. Um, just to the, you glue know what, your phone to the top of your MacBook Pro and use that camera. <laughs> you know what else feels bad is uh, again this professional computer supports one external display, whereas if you click over onto the Intel and you scroll down to video support, it supports three external displays wow. oh i'm sorry this one only supports two wait one external two 5K. 4k displays there you go oh two 4ks okay so it does go to two so i still have that problem i would still need an eGPU for my three but the fact of the matter is the intel version does support more displays so again i'm skeptical yeah. of apple's gpus i'm not sure what's going on here it's, it's interesting this is frustrating apple's always had a uh, compromises for external yes. displays. Mm-hmm. I've been burned by external displays with my Macs. Uh, uh, I, well, I remember am always iffy about it now. I remember when I upgraded, I had a, I don't remember what year it was, but I had a 15 inch MacBook Pro. Um, I think it was the first, or no, it was a second generation unibody, 15 inch MacBook Pro. It would support natively three external displays and i love three displays like that is just the sweet spot for me three 4k displays 24 inch and that's what i've got right now and it supported it and then i upgraded to a 17 inch unibody macbook pro this would have been i don't know 2011 12 something like that bigger computer right better graphics card it literally would not drive three by three displays it wouldn't do it um uh, so for the entirety of that i had that computer like you would plug three of them in and one of them just wouldn't come on <laughs> and and i wound up like i did a lot of searching and forums and like this was the thing the previous generation supported three the newer generation didn't <sighs> i don't know why i just you know apple just doesn't care i don't know mm. so here's some miscellany on the apple silicon max um the Silicon Max will require Apple OSs to boot. So, you know, not just goodbye boot camp because, you know, Windows doesn't – Windows does have ARM versions of Windows, but they are specifically licensed to specific hardware. So there is no freely available uh, Windows for ARM. But even so, like even if you – there are Linux distros that are ARM-based, but you will not be able to boot them 
at least currently on Apple Silicon Macs, because OSs must be cryptographically signed with Apple certificates in order to boot. Uh, so non-Apple OSs, or in, in, as long as Apple's not signing other people's OSs, they will not boot on Silicon Apple Silicon Macs. There are no security settings that you can change, because that is the default on Intel Macs. You, you have to go in and change security settings to boot non-Apple OSs. That's not even an option on Apple Silicon Macs. They are required to be cryptographically signed by Apple. Not sure how I feel about this. I'm leaning toward negative. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I, like it, I like it as a setting. Like, sure, be really secure. Don't let other OSs boot this Mac. I get it. But it should still be a setting. It's really frustrating. But I, it's not a surprise because Apple's fully custom-built silicon has always been this way, right? The iPads and, and iOSs, uh, iPhones, they have to boot Apple-signed, cryptographically-signed OSs. So... Um, and furthermore, Apple confirmed, this is an article from The Verge, Apple confirmed it's not planning to support boot camp on ARM-based Macs in a Daring Fireball podcast. Quote from Craig Federighi, we're not direct booting an alternate operating system. Purely virtualization is the route. These hypervisors can be very efficient, so the need to direct boot shouldn't really be, a, be the concern. I disagree, but uh, furthermore, um, you know, virtualization, it's well to talk about that, and he's right. Virtualization's come a long way, and it's great. But sometimes you need the raw power of the platform, and assuming that Windows gets their, you know, Microsoft gets themselves in gear and produces an ARM version of Windows, and other software vendors catch up and produce an ARM version of their all their software that runs on Windows, like I hope that I hope that happens. We'll we'll have to see. I don't know. Um, yeah, and uh, other methods to run Windows on ARM-based Macs will include – this is quoting from the article now, not Craig Federici uh, – will include virtualization using apps like VMware or Parallels, but these won't be supported on Apple's Rosetta 2 uh, translation technology. Virtual machine apps will need to be fully rebuilt for ARM-based Macs and not immediately clear if that's even a workable solution for Windows on ARM, given the licensing complexities, which I just mentioned, um, or you know all this stuff. So so th- that's, that's going to be an interesting – thing to figure out as we get started with apple silicon and uh, this reminds me of the bad old days um in terms of (laughs) of windows uh when we were on power pc max uh which as you said it's sort of apple silicon but not really apple had like say in the design but it was ibm and motorola producing those chips um but uh the power pc days of the mac os virtualizing windows was very slow because it wasn't virtualization it was emulation you were emulating x86 on a different system architecture so we'll have to see because there – I mean I run uh, Windows in a VM too uh, so that I can test in uh, – when I'm developing so I can test my websites in uh, Internet Explorer 11, for instance, and stuff like that. So we shall have to see. Interesting details. I just hope it comes with a power cord and a brick in the box. Yeah. For any <laughs> Mac you buy. Too, too soon. Please. Too soon, cross Joe. Your fingers. Too soon. Please. Too soon. Give us the power brick. Uh, too soon. <laughs> Well, I think that's a show, Joe. Do you have anything else? Nope. I'm good. I'm excited about the All Macs. Right. Happy to see this last event. Apple did good. I'm, I feel yeah, really no, good I'm- about all the presentations. Yeah, overall, I'm very excited. I think that the future is bright. I think it's going to be a few years before I can use Apple Silicon, but the you know the sooner we get this transition started, the sooner I'll be able to use it. There's going to be some pain points for sure, specifically for me, Docker. I have no idea what the future is there, and it's a little difficult to tell, but we shall see. Uh, so that being the show, uh, Joe, one more thing. Where can people find you on the internet? I am at JCS Darnell on Twitter, and I'm also on the Equinox podcast available at nightowl.fm as well. 
So you can find me. I'm TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. Uh, catch up with me there. Continue the conversation about Apple Silicon and anything else related to these topics or other topics you you know mention mention to us uh, topics you want us to discuss on the show. We'll be happy to consider them. We do have some things lined up, but uh, always happy to consider uh, our listener input. With that, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we hope to see you again next time. Uh, wait, 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 stop. Hang on. Wait. Uh, one more thing. Hi. I'm FEC. Is there time for questions? Good, because I have one. Why? Why? Why make all these advancements? What's the point? Right? Oh, you're so quiet now. Look, I'm a machine. I'm proud of it. That's my fan. Longer battery life. Plug it in. Where are you going? Just plug it in. Fast. I'm fast. I'm still fast. Check it out. Still got it. PC. Still got it. I've always been there. I always will be. Fast. Okay. My battery's drained. I gotta go plug in. Good luck. <laughs>